Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Let's Chat RPGs. I'm your host, as always, Dr. RPG Jeff Harvey, and I'm not a real doctor, but these are real RPGs, and I am joined today by the one, the only, Mr. Kent Klossner, who you may know from St. Pete, or Petersburg, by night. Kent, how are you doing? Hello, I am well. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's good to have you on. Uh, we've been friends for a very, very long time. Um, Over 20 years. Yeah, like 25 almost. Almost. Um, and this is the first time I think I've ever had you on my podcast. This is the first time I've been on your podcast. I've had several now, and I keep excluding you. I wonder why. I think we'll find out. Scheduling issues. Scheduling issues. I, that's what we're going to go Which with. is actually going to be something I'm probably going to talk about in length tonight, but yes, we'll get to it. I expect that is on the list of things to talk about. Let's first of all get into like what is St. Pete by Night. Let's start with talking about that. It's interesting. St. Pete by Night started as a fever dream, almost literally. Uh, it was a very, very late night. I suffer from terrible insomnia. And I had been playing West Marches or West Marshes. I've heard it called. It's both. West Marches. West Marches. D&D yeah. uh, for a while. And I thought, why not Vampire? Uh, TikTok, especially, which was the platform I was most present on at the time, had been talking in great deal about how everyone had Vampire the Masquerade on their bucket list yes. of games to play. And it really, 5e had only come out, what, a year ago? Easily. Well, a couple, yeah. I think it's yeah, a couple years, but maybe it, like a year and a half. It had been re released about a year ago. Yep. So I thought Vampire's my favorite game. Yeah. By far. Uh, World of Darkness is my favorite setting by far. And why not? Why not find a way to introduce people? So when I came up with St. Pete by Night, one, St. Petersburg, Florida is the city I live in, so I know it very well. Uh, it seems like a good setting for a vampire game, even though when one thinks Florida, they don't think nighttime. They don't think vampires. They think sunshine, which kind of was like a little side wink of it all in the setting. Sure. But the reality the was... sunshine state. Yeah. I just wanted to teach people vampire. I wanted to expose people to a game that I hold very, very dear in my heart for 25 years now. Uh, a game that I is probably my favorite role-playing game yeah. for a multitude of reasons, which I'm sure we'll get into. But mm -hmm. the reality of it was I wanted to show people Vampire, and that's what I did. And it's been a huge success. Now, how I would define St. Petersburg by night now, I would say it is an online LARP with elements of table your typical tabletop game mixed in. Right. And so how do people actually play this game? They so like we, Discord or Yeah, we run the game through a Discord uh where there are open RP channels and closed RP channels. You can be part of big events that are scheduled. You can schedule sessions with storytellers. Uh in the way we're going to be revamping it, you're going to actually have set storyteller time with a coterie, more like a traditional tabletop mm -hmm. game. Uh but the reality of it is is it was a 24-hour a day, 7 days a week server where you could come on and play vampire with your friends. Now, there wasn't a storyteller necessarily always right. available, but I think that the open RP opportunity, the chance to drop into character, to get that hit of escapism really appealed to people. And that's why we're still going at it. So was it primarily text-based or was it text it was and voice? All voice RP. We did not okay. have any text RP. Uh, there's a lot of text RP options out there, a lot of text RP servers. Right. Uh, and those come with their own benefits, but their own drawbacks as well. I wanted to have a real in the moment live opportunity that I just don't feel like text right. can can cover. So at the moment, we the I don't know when is when is the game coming back? I know it's on hiatus right now as we're as we're recording this, 
we're recording in late August, but the show is not coming out until October 30th. Well, our hope is that we'll already be up and running by the time this airs. Uh, we're hoping to come back mid-October at the very latest, which means that we will have just come back at this time. Okay. Uh, but you can always go to stpetebynight.com for details. You can join our Discord there. Uh, you can find out all the information you need to through there. Or you can even put together a coterie or a pack since we're going to be involving Werewolf the Apocalypse or a Hunter Cell if you're interested in Hunter the Reckoning. Uh, we're going to have options for all of those available. So <laughs> you can put together a group and join us. Right. Um, we will come back to that, I am certain. But let's get into some more of what's going on in, in like your day-to-day -day kind of stuff. Like, well, So what's what's going on recently in your life that that uh, either you expected or you didn't expect? Like, what's just What's going on with you in general? Well, uh, I live in Florida, which was something that was always something I wanted to do, but not something I ever thought I would do. So I moved to Florida about seven years ago. Much to uh, some people's chagrins. Much, much, much <laughs> to some people's chagrin. Uh, honestly, I am very, very fortunate in the life I live. Uh, I'm retired. I'm a father of one. My son lives here in Michigan, so I get to come visit him regularly. But really, I've dedicated all of my time to St. Pete by night, St. Petersburg by night and developing this brand and this opportunity and giving this, this option for people to indulge in this game and to learn about it however they want to. So really it's my full-time job at this point. Nice. So Vampire the Masquerade and Vampire and World of Darkness in general has got something of a reputation in the gaming community, especially those who gamed back in the nineties and early two thousands as being kind of a, uh, the go-to game for people of, I want to say mental uh, neurodivergency. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, I know that a lot of people who play these games struggle with a lot of mental, uh, mental health issues. Um, I know that people, people in our community, our group have suffered from mental health issues. How do you deal with the stressors, not only of managing a game that's 24 seven, but also maintaining your sanity and, and the, a safe environment for so many players. Well, the reality is I couldn't do it alone. I had to get people I trusted, people I believed in, people I knew had the game's best interest in mind, people yeah. who were on the same page as me. And so I was able to put together a really, really amazing and capable staff. And, you know, obviously we've cycled through people. We've had to weed out some of the good and some of the bad over time. And there were some people who couldn't commit the way they'd originally thought they could. But we have a staff that, their first priority more than anything else is to provide a safe gaming environment. The game aside, stories aside, characters aside, we wanted to do away with a lot of the bad reputation that sure. World of Darkness games have because the truth is, no matter what facet of World of Darkness you're in, you're playing a monster. Right. And being a monster tends to call to more predatory urges and instincts and therefore brings out a certain variety of player who likes to take advantage of that or indulge in that kind of activity. And so we knew from day one, when the staff sat down, when we got our group together, we were like, this is going to be rough, right? This is going to be, well, cause a vampire yeah. vampire, especially LARPs have a, a long history of sexual assault and uh, stalking and things like that. 100%. Um, so that's one of those things that I think you have to be, you, you had to be cognizant of going into this. And has it been an issue in your game? I won't say that we've, you know, not had problems in the past, but the wonderful thing is with having this staff, with having this mission, 
And with having a really solid player base, or at least a core player base that's really solid, we were all on the lookout for it. Yeah. And therefore, when we started to sniff it out, when these issues started to pop up, we could take them out in their infancy yeah. versus when they were full-blown issues. Uh, and I'm happy to say that I think successfully so. We've, yeah. we've really managed to keep this thing going for almost two years now. And the community has been solid. We've been able to have in-person meetups. We have our own convention that we hold every year. And it has been a safe environment, I believe, across the board. And right. will continue to be as long as it is a thing. And so you were talking about it started largely, it grew largely through TikTok and stuff like that. And I, know, I do see it come on TikTok every now and then. There was a lot of original character play on, on TikTok for a while. And honestly, it's come back around recently. I've been seeing a lot more stuff of that recently. Um, how does it make you feel to see something that you've created like that go out into the world and be so well received by so many people? Honestly, it's amazing. I mean, these are these are very creative people, and I don't ever consider St. Pete to be something I've created. Yeah. And I know that's like the typical modest answer, but the reality is I don't. Like I created a platform right. for people to create on their own on that platform. So to see people get so engaged with it, to get so excited about it, to get creatively inspired by it has made me over the moon. I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled with it and I'm thrilled to see that it has inspired them to go off and start their own games, to go off and create new campaigns and new chronicles in different cities to take it beyond just what St. Pete is, because that right. was always the goal. It right. was never about, I need, it needs to be my game. They need to be, you know, in my group. I need right. all the recognition for it. No, I just wanted people to love vampire. And I am so happy to see the love of vampire amongst all these people who even two years ago were just like, that's a game I want to play. And now I think right. for a lot of people, it's their favorite game. So vampire came out years ago. I don't know. Was it close to 35 years ago? Six. Actually, I think there was some going back to 91. It's been out for a long time. Like what, what draws you to it? Like, obviously, everyone starts, almost everybody starts with Dungeons and Dragons. It's the game that of course, yeah. everybody kind of gets into, and it's the gateway drug. Like, for me, I went on to, like, Legend of the Five Rings. Obviously, I played Vampire in, what, Second Edition Revised, the green cover books. Um, and I played Dark Ages and stuff like that. I loved the, the fact that there was a world that you could get into and that was beyond just the 90s occult uh, Anne Rice-style vampires. Like, what, what brought you into Vampire? Like, what's, what draws you to that game? Honestly, there's there's too many things to mention, but really to to limit it down. One, I love the setting because it's a setting we all know. Yeah, it's a setting it's we all live in the modern world. To. Yeah, yeah. It's a setting that can take place just outside your very house. Like it, you can pick up and play pretty much anywhere if you know the area well enough. Right. And I like that it was a storytelling game. Yeah. That it focused on character development. It's focused on role playing and social interactions that it was a very like cerebral game. It's a very political game. It's a very political game and it's not crunchy. And when I say crunchy, I'm sure many people will know what crunchy means, but it's not mechanics heavy. Right. Uh, whereas uh, a D&D. &D, I know, will say that like D &D, like Vampire Second Edition had a lot of extra dice rolling. You had oh, to roll for, for sure. soak and everything else like that. For sure. Um, so there is definitely some crunch there. It, it was very much a product of its time as far as systems go. Um, and on that note, like what, obviously there's versions of Vampire. There's, uh, the one everybody knows, which is like we said, we discussed earlier, which is Vampire Revised. Um, there's also the Chronicles of Darkness stuff like this one here, which is Vampire the Requiem, uh, Vampire the Masquerade 5th Edition. Um, I assume you've played most, if not all the versions. I've played all the versions. What 
is your favorite version? And is there a particular reason as to why? There's something good to be attributed to everyone. Um, I think that the game evolved over time as games do, you know, as they went through their paces of revised, as they did break off into the Chronicles of Darkness, as they did return back to fifth edition. I think that fifth edition is my favorite edition of the game because it's easy to teach. Mm -hmm. It's easy to pick up and play. uh, And it's very streamlined. Like they really did take out of a lot of the mechanics things that you were talking about. Right. When I thought it was low mechanics before they took it even lower. Right. And that appeals to me it, as someone who doesn't the, have a math degree. Who right. Doesn't, you know, the new well, system is very much more narrative. I think 100%. While, while the storyteller system has always been narrative. And I actually, my favorite version of the system really is the Chronicles of Darkness system. Although I do prefer the world of darkness world, which we'll get into in a minute. Um, I agree that 5e is probably the most story driven version of the game. In fact, it's probably the most story driven. It can be, while still maintaining the flavor of the original rule set. Absolutely. And there's a lot that I think fifth edition could have improved upon. I think there's a lot of things that they left out, like some of the individuality of the different clans. They didn't really give, they kind of opened everything up to everyone. Anyone can do anything effectively. And that, that took away a lot of the appeal of the individual. Some of the flavor. Yeah. And also, Lore, they really, they really kind of let go of lore in a lot of ways, which right. I think World of Darkness has always capitalized on in definitive lore that is, you know, detailed and laid out. And you can right. use it or you cannot use on it. On that note, though, a lot of the lore for the for the game has been very problematic. Yes. Like the the, the World of Darkness, one thing can be said for the the Asimites and all the other clans and the the Bruja, not well, not the Bruja so much, but a lot of the clans have a lot of Ravnos. the Ravnos. Like there's a lot of problematic stuff in there that they've taken out for sure do you think it's for the better absolutely 100 percent. you have to evolve as society evolves right. you know the things that we were used to the things that we the things that were acceptable yeah that were acceptable 30 years ago when the game first started are definitely not the case now and so you don't want to turn away potential players you don't right. want to turn away future generations that's how games die if yes. you stay stuck to a certain philosophy it you're it's going to be outgrown there's also some updated. there's also some level of the of the company and the game taking responsibility for its problematic 100 nature that i think has been really refreshing a lot of companies don't do especially the billion dollar companies don't don't do a lot of that um the the vampire the masquerade 5e and werewolf 5e as well which got rid of the got a fenris um and a lot of other the problematic stuff like that well they didn't get rid of it they wrote them out yes. so they are actually still defined in the fifth edition yes. book but they are not an active playable tribe anymore right which is yeah that's probably for the best (laughs) it is um getting into we talk about how vampires are monsters and all the creatures in the world of darkness are Mm -hmm. monsters um and again tying in mechanics i personally find that the hunger mechanic is an amazing amazing mechanic mechanic. absolutely i'm so glad they did away with blood points i'm so glad you know, it's not like a mana based system like that. It is a a mechanic that incorporates into gameplay that can alter the flow of gameplay. Yeah. And really can wonderful. capitalize on the idea and help Absolutely. motivate the idea that you are a monster. Uh, how do you reconcile playing a game of monsters? I mean, you people are used to playing Dungeons and Dragons or Legend of the Five Rings or superhero games where you're playing a literal hero, whereas in Vampire, especially Vampire, I mean, Werewolf is a little bit different, but especially in Vampire, you are not the good guy. Well, I think that's an interesting thing about vampire. It depends on how 
you choose to view vampire because mm. I think that vampire itself is a struggle to hold the monster at bay. Right. It's not that you are leaning full tilt into being a monster. It's how you struggle to hold on to humanity, how you struggle to stay a part of a world that you are no longer welcome in, right? How you can continue to be the person you were, even though that person literally died Right. You're trying to hold on to that and the connections that you had in those times, you know, whether you forego them, whether you keep them at arm's length, whether you can still try to keep things normal. I think it's a lot more about humanity than it is about being a monster. But I think that it does. That's that's what leads to the problematic people is, yes. is a wrong understanding of what you're trying to play, what you're right. trying to portray. They think, you know, and this goes for a lot of Typical people who want to play Sabbat or lean hard into yes. Sabbat. They want to do bad things. Right. And they want to get away with doing bad things under the guise of a game system, under the guise of, right. you know, oh, it's just make-believe. But really what calls to them about World of Darkness or Vampire is the more monstrous elements of it that they can't embody. But healthy... <laughs> Vampire players do understand about the struggle between mortality and this, this craving that you have to deal with. And I think that one thing World of Darkness has always done well is define that within their books. They right. talk about it at length. They really do give a strong description of what the struggle is. And I think that it's very easy for certain players to skip over that part and not pay as much attention sure. to that part. But that's what the, the role of a storyteller is, is to bring it back to that, is right. to keep that the, the main line of thought. So when you're creating characters, helping people create their characters and building coteries and all these other things to build, your, to build out the world in your game, what's a piece of advice that you would give to players who are maybe coming from a more of a Dungeons & Dragons or more of an escapist kind of mentality where... I mean, we've all played games where we've played ourselves. We've all played games, especially if you play Vampire. Absolutely. You play it long enough, you're going to play yourself as a character. Absolutely. Um, which I do not recommend doing. No. Um, what, do you, what kind of advice do you give to players who want to be able to still experience the darker side of the game, but within the bounds of, of acceptability? Like, how do you help them build their characters? Well, usually I say start with a person. Just flesh out a regular, full-blooded human being. Start with somebody that, you know, that you're inspired by or somebody that maybe there's elements of you. I think there's always elements of you in any character. You sure, make. absolutely. But really just create a person with family and friends and connections. Give them all the things that we empathize with in each other mm -hmm. into your character. Because I think that people can go straight to monster if they forget the struggle that that person has to go through with having family that's still surviving or right. having friends or descendants or whatever the case is. So I think that building a, a fully embodied person is a really good first step. And then what I would say to my players uh, is, and then I'll kill you and make you into a vampire. Right. I was going to say, uh, would you ever play out the embrace, which can be a very intimate and traumatizing moment, both, definitely both in character and sometimes the way it's portrayed. Not so much in St. Pete by night, because we were starting with a whole bunch of brand new people. Sure. And that is a very intense experience, but I have in the past. And yeah. I think that it is a defining moment for the character and the character's growth. Uh, because, you know, it can be traumatic, but sometimes it can also be passionate. Sometimes sure. it, it can be a variety of things. Some just don't have any memory of it at all. Right. Um, so, yes, but I think that really in, in building their character, 
and starting with a person, it helps me de- determine what kind of vampire they're going to be. Right. What clan they're going to be, what style of play they're going to go after. So taking them through that process of like, who are they? What are they good at? What are their likes, their dislikes? You know, what are their family like? I think that a lot of people jump straight to the clans, just like people jump straight to the classes in right. D&D, and they build backwards from there. Right. Whereas I think it's important what, to start. What cool beginning. power do I want to have right. that makes me, yeah. Uh, right. And I mean, to its credit, World of Darkness now lets you get whatever you want to get to yes. some degree. You know, yeah. some will cost more or less, or there's a certain way to get it. But it's not about, oh, I have to pick this clan because I want this power. There right. are other ways to get it. I think that picking a clan, people are afraid to be put into a box. So they almost always want to go against type. Yeah. But if they understand the game, if they understand the lore, if they've been on the 30-year journey that some of us have been on, right? vampires aren't made at random. Right. They aren't just like there's usually a reason the clan picked them. So, for example, if you're going to play uh, uh, a Toreador who is a construction worker, like there would have to be a reason. Are they an architect? Do right. they design the construction? Well, explain what, what a Toreador is, why that so, would be important. Toreador is the artist clan. They are the socialites. They are the succubi in some degree. Uh, they focus on beauty right. and art and passion and kind of more of the superficial qualities of existence. Right, right. Um, and so for <laughs> Joe Construction Worker to be embraced, there had to be something about him. Maybe he had art in his, in his special interests. Maybe sure. he was a painter at home, but a construction worker by day. There had to be a reason that the Toreador chose him. I like the idea of him being a, a closeted uh, uh, opera singer. Yeah, or like something it. like that. But it had to make sense. Whereas we had people who were just like, I want to be Toreador because they have these powers, but my right. character makes no sense as a Toreador. Everybody, right. a lot of players wanted to go against type, to be the unique and the individual. Right, which is something you face in really every campaign, every, every game. Every game. Every That's game. one of the reasons why Paladins have changed so much in D&D over the, cent- over the century of D&D. Uh, it feels like that sometimes. <laughs> um, but getting back to the 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 versions of, of the game, though, um, and again, the evolution of the game and, and how things have changed in mechanics, not just mechanically, but setting wise, like we have I have right here in front of us, I've got uh, second edition, fourth edition and fifth edition. Um, what I mean, you know, probably the majority of what's going on with this, like the the, the lore of the setting, like what's 100%. changed over the years, like, yep. take us on that 30 year, that 30 year journey. So as best you can, I mean, as, well, I don't, you know, it's, it's sketchy in details, but, uh, as far as I know, vampires started in more of a mage based setting world of darkness started in a game kind of more like D and D. Uh, and then it was inspired to create its own setting based mm. off of that, which is how world of darkness came to be. Um, vampire started as a, you know, softback, very small book then got republished and republished throughout the editions, uh, you know, second edition, then revised. Right. Uh, and as the game grew, obviously they added more detail. They added more lore. They added more mechanics. It started from a very crunchy place and started to really focus on storytelling and lore after right. that. I know that one of the, one of the big proponents of the game was a, a, a legend in the, in the game industry called Greg Stafford, who is also the creator of Pendragon and 100% chaosium games, that kind of stuff. 100%. Uh, I know that eventually it got purchased by when the new world of Dark, when the world of darkness ended, um, which hurt a lot of people's feelings, 
and we'll talk Mine about included. that. We'll talk about that in just a second here. It went out to it went became part of CCP, which is the company that owned Eve Online. Um, and then eventually, I don't know how it's gone from there, but it got Paradox got involved, uh, and they did the 20th anniversary editions and stuff yep. like that. Um, let's talk a little bit about the 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 changeover, the thing that hurt everybody in the world of darkness, going from the old world of darkness, the '90s world of darkness, into the Chronicles of Darkness, because right? everyone was kind of disappointed after Gehenna and the Apocalypse, even though these games told you in the beginning, these games have a finite lifespan. Right. And to be fair to, to White Wolf's credit, they did wrap it up. Mm-hmm. I think part of the problem is, A, you can see this in society in general recently, people don't like when things end, yes. especially things they really, really like. TV shows, movie franchises. I mean, how many Marvel movies are there now? Like... You know, it just will keep going as long as it keeps making money. Right. So, yes, like we were told it was going to end, but we didn't want it to end. Nobody right. really wanted it to end. And I think more than that, people were very unsatisfied with the way they wrapped it up. Sure. And that has a lot to do with creatives predicting what they would like to see happen, how they'd like to see it go down. Yeah. You know, it, again, it happens in movies all the time where if you don't do it the way they wanted them to do it, you're going to get. Game of Thrones, perfect example. Right. No, Objectively whatever. badly yeah. written. <laughs> so people didn't want it to end. And when it did end, I think a big part of, of people were in denial. I mean, considering at the time, the game had been around for over a decade, mm-hmm. had been building for over a decade, at least at that point, uh, people were invested. You know, they were invested. I mean, D&D other than something like Forgotten Realms or, you know, some of the other settings, it's a very, like, you make your own world. Whereas we had all bought into the world of darkness world they'd created. We'd all invested and learned and put lore to heart and, like, really had spent. I mean, I still think you should get a college degree in world of darkness (laughs) lore because there's just so much of it. Sure. So I think that that level of investment, it was really hard to have that pulled away from us. Right to be told that we weren't going to get more of it. And so when Chronicles of Darkness, New World of Darkness, whatever you want to call it. Vampire the Requiem. Came to be, I think they didn't really make it clear to us this was a start over, that they were rebooting. That, you know, we weren't, they were going to keep some of the names, change most of the details. Like we all went into it, or at least speaking personally, I can't speak for everybody else, but I went into it thinking this is Vampire Fourth Edition. I right. am buying the next iteration, like right. post Gehenna. What, yeah, post- what's what's happening to the universe right. after Gehenna? Yeah, where are we at now? Uh, that's what I thought I was getting, and I was horrendously disappointed. <laughs> which is n- a discredit to New World of Darkness. It really, is. although it's it was, it was often treated that way. It was. Um, I think. Largely unfairly. Yeah. And I think that it's a great system. Yeah. It's got its own lore and its own world. And I think that it needed to separate. It really needed to yes. rebrand completely, not keeping vampire and werewolf and mage. Right. Like they needed to really say, we're doing something new and make it very, very aware to anybody who picked up the book. Sure. Because it was, it felt misleading. Um, but it, it obviously, I've definitely heard that from many people. Yeah. (laughs) It had its own success. You know, they published, God, there are so many books books for that. In fact, there are more books, I think for Chronicles or new world darkness than there were for the old and by 100%. And some of them are great. There's a book called slasher. That is probably one of the best RPG books. It's standalone game. Essentially it's, it's Jason and Freddie and 
It's so good. I have it on the shelf over there, actually. Um, I will say, though, that mechanically speaking, I think the, the evolution of the game from second edition to Chronicles really paved the way for not just the future, but uh, a better narration of the game. Because in in that version, especially Vampire, the the diminishment the diminishment of your of your thousand year old character made sense because yeah. you you had a mechanic that explained that yep. whereas you didn't have that in previous editions. No. Um, and I think that that translates well. I think if you if you're interested in rules iterations at all, and you look at a revised and second edition and all that, and then you look at Chronicles and you look at fifth edition, you can see the the shared lineage of the games and how I think the people who made Vampire the Requiem really truly loved world of darkness in a, in a way that i think the fans discredited in a way in a it was well, very unfortunate did you want to clean up the mess left behind from the original writers you know they wrapped yeah. it up poorly people were unsatisfied people were angry there was also again the evolution of the of of contemporary mentality of the the problematic parts of the game that you wiped away and and they decided i think i think um, I don't know, but it feels to me like they decided it was just easier to start anew and take this old thing that was a problem and put it on the shelf and make something new that everyone can embrace. Um, unfortunately, I think they just underestimated how much nerds rage over things. Absolutely. And I think that obviously we've evolved to the point that communication is easier. Yes. Like when Werewolf, that edition comes out, they have told you for months, yes. this is a reboot. Everything yes. from the old editions is gone. Like we're... and. They kept a lot in that I didn't expect them to, yeah, but they're, like they're using it to rebuild the old world lore right. rather than rather than continuing it, which I think was genius. And they've made sure you're very aware. So if you pick up a copy of Werewolf expecting it to be, you know, second edition Werewolf, you are going to be horrendously mistaken. Right. But even on the first page of the book, they told you this is a brand new retelling. Right. This is, you know, we are washing away everything that came before and we are starting anew. And I think that Chronicles of Darkness could have done better about that. Yes. Um, I understand that the internet was still kind of not as accessible at the time that it came out, but I still well, we were still using forums back then. So. Right. They could have made it a lot more clear. And I think a rename would have made a huge difference because right. the first book of Chronicles of Darkness is called World of Darkness. Yes. I bought that book. Yes. And it is, it's not the world of darkness I had known. Right. It's this, you know, so I think that there were it a was, lot of misleading. Elements. Yes. I will say though, the world of darkness book is a really cool way to introduce book. people into the new setting. Oh, it's a great. Book. Uh, and because it's, you're not playing anything supernatural in that it's a great setting on its own, uh, which is fantastic. And it's also the only book you had to have to be able to run the other games. Sure. You could make it up from there. For sure. Speaking on that though, what is your favorite supplement from all of, all of Vampire the Mask, all of Vampire, all of World Darkness. What's your favorite supplement? It is so hard to pick one. I don't, I don't deal in favorites. Like asking me what my favorite clan is, I have like three or four. No, mine's um, easy. Ravnos, well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Uh, but I would say, and this is a dark horse. A lot of people didn't pick up this book or these couple of books. Victorian Age Vampire. Okay. I think that was a genius setting. Yeah. A genius option and i think they could have done so much more with it i actually had but it didn't think, sell well so. no i think i had a copy of the main book for that um and it was great because that's the the era that vampires are really kind of One created odd, that's your Anne rice bram stoker right. like that is the heyday of vampires and i love what they did with the lore they yeah. filled in between dark ages and masquerade modern yep. nights they gave us a step along the way and some of the characters are characters that you saw grow from dark ages 
through Victorian age right. to masquerade. And it kind of helped flesh out the story. Plus it created cool settings like London, yep. which was not highly detailed as it is now. Yeah. You well, know, now it's, it's on top of Istanbul, Constantinople. Like they really started really fleshing out that era. And it was a great era to be a vampire. Yeah, like, it, it was such a cool time. It's a supplement where they kind of started globalizing vampire, the masquerade vampire, Absolutely. the the characters, the the setting. Absolutely. Um, I mean, they did a little bit of that obviously with dark ages, you know, that's mostly European, obviously it's a totally European kind of setting, but yeah, the, uh, before that, it was largely like Chicago by night, New York by night, right. New Orleans by night. Obviously, and they, a big one. they did have some international ones like Tokyo. You and, know. you know, they did have other ones. But really, it was this this was a nice time shift to in between Dark Ages and modern nights. And I think it was needed because I think that's, again, when vampires really started to become a thing was right. that era. And uh, the other one would be Wild West Werewolf because oh I just God. think that's such a cool time period. Too. I really wish I had picked that book up. They, uh, Writer's Hobby Shop had the copy of the book with it was the it was the weird kind of textured cover with the whole bullet hole in yep. it, and the claw marks, and that sat on the shelf. I went in there every week for months. I was buying Highlander card game and Magic the Gathering and all those other games that were out. All those things nobody plays anymore. All those things that only I play anymore. <laughs> um, Oh, magic. People still play magic. magic. I don't I don't play but magic. But it's not anymore, the same though. magic yeah. that it was then. Definitely Those not. cards are all outlawed now. Yeah. Well, and they're also worth a crap load of money. Oh yeah. Um, but the that book sat there for so long and I kept wanting to pick it up. And then finally, Riders went under and I never picked it up. And I to this day I've never gotten a copy of that book in my hands, and I really want a copy of it. Yeah. It's a and it's a great idea for a setting. And again, it's it's a titular time for werewolf well it's, it's a perfect setting for werewolf it's such an iconic era especially in american history that when you're playing you take that setting uh like the old rpg boot hill or uh the weird west um that is now in savage worlds i can't remember what it's called right now but uh that stuff like those there was a lot of wild west games then and to play a game in that setting is really kind of i don't know there's something magical about that for for everybody and werewolf in that time period is Interesting. It is, and it's fair. Who was calling? I'll call her later. Um, I'm sure the sound was being recorded on the phone, so I wanted to yeah. stop. Um, all right, we're picking it where we're at. Werewolf, the Wild West. Wild West. Go ahead. If you still have anything. Well, and I think it's it's culturally relevant at the time too. Like it's a very cultural shift, and yeah. to be fair, werewolf at that time was much more indigenously based yes. than it is in fifth edition. Uh, um, stereotypically indigenously based. True. Which is and that was one of the problematic do, elements. Yeah, exactly. yeah, that needed to be dealt with. But it was it was a perfect setting during a time that that was viewed as acceptable. Right. And, and Westerns were huge at the time. Like, absolutely. You had Tombstone and Unforgiven oh, and all those other kind of movies. So playing that with the monsters, I think, was a great concept. Um, what advice would you give to somebody who's just starting out to, to get into Vampire right now? Like, they don't have St. Pete by Night. They're, they don't have the ability to play online. They pick up, go to the, go to the, the, the store. They pick up a copy of the fifth edition book. Where do they, where do they start? Where do they go? Read, 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 read as much as you can do Google searches on terms. You don't understand. Look up the history. Like really what sucked me in was the lore. Yeah. And I think the lore is so well done. Yes. There's problematic elements and yes, there's going to be some things that make you cringe, but realistically like dive in, see how deep the pool is. And it might be intimidating to some, to be fair. So to those, I might say, if you're overwhelmed by the idea of a lore dump or a lot of knowledge, maybe don't go that route, but just read about it and look into it. And yeah, check out St. Pete by Night. You know, 
dip your toe in. We've got a great helpful staff that are there to like really take in new players. At least 75% of our player base never even knew Vampire the Masquerade other than hearing right. the title about it. So like it's, it is a good place, but I would say just like start out reading and just do it. Find a group of people and be like, Hey, let's play a vampire story and do it. Just jump in. Cause I learned by doing, I didn't learn by researching. I learned by jumping in and just doing. And then because of the love I developed for it, I had to learn more and I, I got deeper in, but does the core book give enough? Do you, th- do you think the core book gives enough for a player to be able to go in and do it without all that? Yes. The core book, I'm not going to make any friends over at paradox today. The core <laughs> book is a mess. It is a little bit of a, it, it is, is laid out terribly. It is better. And so as a lot of you know, who watch the show, we are, I, I have a close tie with Modifius but Modibius put out the original version of right. the five E book, and it was quite possibly the worst book I have ever seen, um, which is saying a lot because I've seen a lot of bad books. The new version is much better, uh, but you're right. There's a, it is kind of a hot mess. Everything is kind of in, in the wrong spots. Right, and I think that you know that can be a deterrent for people, yeah. but really, I think that it also can stress the that man mechanics aren't necessary. Yes. They're an, they're an enhancement. They're not the focus. They spend a lot of time talking about lore and truthfully, the, the terribly laid out core book is true to form all the way back. Yes. Like all of the books. <laughs> yes. Have been a mess. It's a hard game to write a book for, I think, because you're, you, you don't want people to get, as we talked about earlier, you don't want characters to, you don't want players to get caught up on what you can do you want people to get caught up on who they're going to be. Well, and I think the book tries to get that out before it gets you in the camera. Absolutely. But also if anybody from paradox wants people to proofread or edit their books, <laughs> there are a horde of players that are more than willing to do so. Yeah. So, you know, maybe just have someone else take a look that doesn't get paid. Um, that is unfortunately a problem with a lot of modern games. Absolutely. Which really, which brings me to the next question and in the gaming hobby, we're seeing a lot of changes right now, a lot of rapid changes. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing the 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 looming uh, D&D 1 or D&D Next, whatever it's called, like D&D 1, right? And the the shift to a lot of more online gaming and platforms like that. And obviously, St. Pete by Nights is part of that revolution in that you are well, doing... Well, it started all, during the pandemic. It right. was inspired through the pandemic, so yeah. And you're using virtual tabletops and online communications like that. Like, What are you seeing, by either mechanically or trend-wise, in the in the gaming industry over the next few years that most interests you and makes you curious about what's going to happen next like what are you looking forward to the most so it felt like gaming was on the verge of a renaissance it felt like i mean i still believe it's bigger than it's ever been more popular than it's ever sure. been even beating the old D heydays but i think that there's bound to be a drop-off i think we're seeing some of that i think the fact that Wizards and D and D is asking you to reinvest again into their game. Um, even sort though fifth of. edition has been around for like a decade or more, right? People just learned about it within the last three or four or five years. You know, right. they, they really only started buying into it since the pandemic in full force. And so I kind of worry that, you know, they just bought all this, these books, they just got invested. And now they're like, well, effectively it feels like a money grab. Sure. They're making, cultural mistakes like they did with their uh which book was it the new vamp the new giants book 
Yeah, yeah, like yeah, they, using AI art and AI generated right, and uh, the, text. and the uh, star was it star? No, not star. Uh, star Jammer. Star Jammer. Star Jammer made a, a, a big misstep. It did, and so I think that it We're, is. There are people who are invested enough to start looking elsewhere, but I think that there are still some people who are still in the infancy of gaming that will just move on and find something else. Sure. What uh, so when you talk about like some things, like one of the things that has been mentioned by the Wizards, the the CEO of Hasbro is that they have under-monetized their game. And I know that when I talked to uh, Jim Johnson and Michael Dismuke from Modifius, uh, freelance writers from Modifius and, and the line editor for Star Trek Adventures um, back in episode one, one of the things they talked about was the idea of future monetization and how to create uh, an online database of, of information that would be paid, a subscription-based model where you get all the books, you get all of the information that you need to run the game, but it's a, it's a monthly subscription-based model. So D&D Beyond? DD Beyond, but for other games, for Star Trek, for Vampire. What's your thoughts on something like that? Like, is that the kind of thing that you would look forward to? I, I don't look forward to it, no. I don't think that's a good thing. I think that that's a bad thing, to sure. be honest. Um, I think that most of these services charge a monthly rate and still expect you to buy the books you already bought in hardcover. Well, a lot of what's happening, I think what's coming is, especially like Modifius, and I think, uh, I think Renegade, does the same thing where you can get the digital copy of the book, the PDF, when you buy the book from like a local store. I know a lot of local stores can do things, can join a group called uh, Bits and Mortar. Uh, the Adventure Inc. is one of those stores that if you buy the book from your local game store, you can get the PDF. But what they're talking about is getting away from books altogether because the margin on just a PDF is so much better. So what would you, where would you see, like, do you see that future happening for Vampire? I definitely think it's possible. I think anything's possible. I mean, they're going to follow the trend that, D and D does right. Everybody does. That's the flagship. Like, let's be honest of TTRPGs. D and D is the flagship yeah. and everybody falls in line. Eventually. Eventually. I think vampire is a few years behind. Well, we, D &D. we, we are seeing some companies rebel against that idea as well. Like Paizo is going the opposite direction. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, and critical role has been stepping away from Dungeons and Dragons and moving into their own setting. Uh, Monty cook games has done a lot of new publishing, yeah. uh, old guys, Appalachia and uh, new and their kind of stuff like that. Uh, Appalachia, Appalachia, shut up. Shut up. Shut up, Evelyn. <laughs> um, but one of the things I think that we hear about is that you buy one copy of the D the Vampire Masquerade book and that's it. You've bought it. You can play. It's probably the best investment in gaming you can do is just get to buy a, a single core book and you that's can play you need, for really. Yeah, you can play for generations. Even if yeah. the book comes apart, you just take it and put it in a, a slipcase. case. And I love PDFs. I love that they're offering PDFs with the purchase of a book. I think that's a good thing because we are moving digital. I've had to reference things on the fly on my phone when I didn't have my book with me. So it's really nice to have that yeah. option. Um, but yeah, I, I still think there's nothing that beats an old hardcover book. Right. Like, I still think we need print media in the world. I, I agree. And that, you know, moving to a fully digital platform is going to I, only cause bad things in my mind. I don't think it's long-term anyways, because we saw the rise of e-readers for years yep. and then it dropped off and now books are a thing again. People want to read real books. So I think that you're right on that idea. Um, where do you get, like you've run a lot of games. You've been running vampire for 30 years. Where do you get your best ideas for your games? Life, honestly, life, uh, media, other games I've been a part of. I mean, while I fought, primarily fall into the dungeon master or storyteller role, just because I'm that desperate to play and nobody wants to do it. Right. Um, but I, I think that honestly, inspiration is everywhere. I mean, uh, <laughs> I do kind of take some credence to the idea that there are no new ideas. 
There's just new takes on ideas. Sure. So everything is kind of reminiscent of or related to or something like something that's been done before. So just lean into that. Sure. People love stories they know. TVTropes.com. They really do. I mean, they do. They they love the story of, you know, the 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 knight and the dragon. They love sure. the story of the monster that goes bump and the monster hunters. Like they these well, are all stories that have been told countless times. The hero's times. journey, the Star Wars has been Absolutely. told for centuries. But people like that. Yeah. Like while they like to be surprised, something is comfortable in predictability, knowing yes. that the good guy's gonna win. Well, also, that, it yeah. also does allow you using that leading into that predictability allows you to actually subvert that, that predictability. 100%. As well. 100%. So you, you can go through the hero's journey and then have a twist at the end or somewhere in the middle that just changes just a little bit. And it doesn't necessarily create a new story, but it creates a new iteration of the story. Well, even in St. Pete by night, um, I had been telling the story of this, this character that was the defining element of the city, the creator of the city. And it was kind of this battle against inevitability because sure. really vampire stories always end in tragedy one sure. way or another, whether it's told, whether it's not told, whether it's assumed, it's always going to end tragically. And it was this story about this character that a lot of people fell in line with. A lot of people got invested in and showed loyalty to, but at the end of the story, they don't win. Right. They still lose. They tried, they tried experiments. They tried all these things to try and get this character to stay but the reality of the situation was they didn't, they, they had to go and inevitably to their death. Yeah. Uh, and I think that the tragedy of that was wonderful. It was emotional. I mean, if you haven't seen our stuff, go check out our YouTube or anything, seeing people at night everywhere. You can see that final session of what we called season five at the time. It was one of the most emotional gaming sessions i've ever been a part of and it was the perfect conclusion to this year and a half long story because they won but they lost right and i think there's something beautiful in that the the ferric victory and it wasn't the it wasn't the stereotypical story the stereotypical story would be they could prevent this thing from happening they could save the this character and get them to stay forever and be happy but the reality of vampire is it was only going to be a stopgap forever. It right. was only going to be delaying the inevitable. And I didn't want that to be the focus going into the revamp. Sure. I wanted a fresh take without people worrying about this one in PC. Right. I didn't want that to be the focus. So I call the first chronicle, like the Isabel de Navarra chronicle or this, you know, whatever. Right. Because that was her story, but her story is now over. Sure. And now it's the aftermath of that. It's right. the, you know. So you're, you're making sure you advertise well that it's a change in Chronicles from the old Chronicles to the new Chronicles. 100%. 100%. <laughs> and that's why, against a lot of players' better wishes, we're not letting anyone bring their characters back. Yeah. Everyone's starting over fresh. Some of the elements, some of the characters from the old story are still around, but everyone had to retire their characters. And yes, that caused us to lose some characters and some players, but I think that's the best way to go. I think right. you need a clean break because we are trying a brand new everything about the game sure. except the setting. So. Right. Um, on the idea of like you listen, like just getting ideas from life and everything around, like what have you been listening to or reading lately that has been inspiring you? I listen to a lot of podcasts, weirdly. One of the wonderful things about podcasts is a lot of people tell their stories yes. about their life. And because world of darkness specifically is set in our world a lot all of that is applicable 
Yeah. All of that is possible. What So like when one of the podcast hosts talk about this crazy ride they had on the subway, I can recreate that, but right. add a supernatural element to it yeah. or, you know, have the characters bear witness to these things because at the end of the day, it is a story of people. It is a story of humanity. It is, it is a story of staying hidden in the normal world right. and trying to keep this secret about yourself. So I think bringing in elements of the real world are important, but yeah, a lot of podcasts um, and I listen to anything that crosses my plate music wise, like sure. just anything. I don't pick a specific genre. I don't go immediately to goth music or death metal. When <laughs> right. I think of vampire, like country has a lot of interesting stories in it. It has a lot it's, of interesting character definition and growth. Yeah. And I think you can make some amazing NPCs based off of country songs. I, I think Tammy Wynette and George Jones by themselves make two of the greatest vampire stories of all time. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, I think just keeping, keeping grounded in the real world is a good starting point for coming up with stories for vampire. But you can still take elements from like game of thrones sure. or whatever because it's still about character it's how about much of the real world do you cut off like do you like obviously it's a game of politics that is a fantasy politics game and but politics are such an ever-present part of our current world right they're so um drainingly present all the time like how, how much of that do you bring into your game if any i try to keep it as accurate to the real world as possible so i don't make this a utopia version of our world like i i do incorporate the real politics that are happening in the state of florida during the game i okay. inco incorporate the real life events and this is kind of why i like the the real time style of the game because like yeah i could be like the weather today was this right that's how it's going to be in the game or you know this event is going on i can incorporate that into the story um of course with that comes the good bad and ugly there's obviously some really seriously bad stuff happening in florida um and i don't shy away from that but i also don't rub people's noses in it sure so how much of your values do you see coming out in, of uh, in your storytelling style into your game your own personal values i try to keep as politically neutral as possible i try to feel out who i'm playing with because i'm not here to tell people what their politics are but you know i definitely I definitely have a a more liberal kind of belief system, but I do incorporate some conservative values too because it is Florida and those people exist. Right. Uh, one thing that I I try to make all my players very comfortable with is that I'm never going to depict hot button things, but I will allude to them. Sure. Because they are real. I don't want people. I don't want to create this city in Florida where there's no racism and where right. you know there's no. Uh, well, especially in Florida, you've got, there was the shooting in Miami not that long ago. Absolutely. There's a lot of, a lot of racism and hatred that, that appears to be coming out of the Florida area. I mean, it's really everywhere, but it's everywhere, we, we but I mean, it we, we publicize it more yeah. in Florida because one of the big things in Florida is they don't have that barrier between what hits the news, right? Everything is freedom of press. So right. everything gets publicized. So the idea of Florida, there's a Florida man everywhere. Yeah. Every state has them, but yeah. we Michigan is Florida, man. Yeah, we we publicize <laughs> ours constantly. Um, but yeah, I don't want to pretend that it's it's this place where racism doesn't exist, where sexism doesn't exist, because it very much does. 
but I'm also not going to, like I said, rub your nose in it. I'm right. not going to so make people uncomfortable. With when it. dealing with really complex and hard issues, I mean, there's a, again, the neurodivergence aspect of World of Darkness and role playing in general. You get a lot of people who are, uh, who, who are LGBTQ, who are, or specifically, there's a lot of trans people who get into vampire, especially. How do you, do you deal with, do you address any of those situations or do you just kind of keep it as, as more of an allude to let players do what they want to do, but the setting kind of just alludes to things or. Yeah. I mean, I think that players, players are going to do what they're going to do. And I try to incorporate and make it a comfortable place for everyone to play out. Like we did have a trans vampire in our game that actually went through transition post being embraced you know, with the incorporation of Zemitsi, which is a whole different thing. Right. Um, but like, I didn't want to shy away from that because this is them telling the story they wanted to tell. Right. And it was important to them. Um, so I, I think, what, <laughs> I think one of the big misconceptions about vampire is that, and this goes back to what we were talking about problematic people earlier, sex, sex, sex. Everyone thinks being a vampire is all about sex, even right. though the book in itself says, Vampires can't have sex. Right. Well, you got to thank Anne Rice for a lot of that. Right. So, um, so I think there's still some of that that comes into play. Like what is gender identity when you're not sexual? You know what I mean? When you're not, but I'm going to embrace that about people. I'm not going to tell them what they can or can't be, but I'm like I said, I'm not going to rub people's faces. in. So I, I acknowledge it. I represent it in the game, but I don't, make it a plot point it's never gonna be a storyline it's never gonna be a you know it's just a part of the setting that you may encounter right. it's not the focus of the setting it's, right. a, it's an aspect yeah, of exactly so a lot, like a lot of safety tools people like they'll use fade to black instead is that something you you tend to use fade to black rather than any kind of anything explicit or yeah absolutely. you just kind of like we'll do that off that's off camera i mean we have it. a consent form that we yeah. expect all our players and staff to fill out and uh, especially under the new model the storytellers are going to have consent forms of their own and so they're going to have the right to be able to say, like, this is not going to be depicted in my game. I am sure. not going to play out love scenes. I am right. not going, you know, it's always going to be fade to black or there aren't even going to be romantic elements to the story I'm telling. Sure. And people have been pretty cool about that. I mean, we're, we're still staying pretty neutral on most aspects, but really it's about knowing your players, knowing who you're working with. I mean, I did a lot of solo sessions with players. I did small group sessions. I did big group sessions. Right. I did whole clan sessions. Um, so I got to know the players pretty well. And so depending on what I was comfortable with at the time, what they were comfortable with at the time, you know, it would be depicted to a certain degree, but we never went full bore with anything. It right. just was never something that, I wanted to be a part of our game because I didn't want that type of player in that game anyway. Right. If you could remove all, well, let's get to that one in a second. How do you continue to learn more about the game, the setting, the the players, the world? Like, how do you continue? To, what do you do to continue learning about your role in this world of darkness that you're you're exist that you you're running? Or it's a hard question because I didn't I didn't ask it very well. But no, no, no. I, I I think I understand. It's like it's it's still a constantly evolving thing. Uh, I am glad. World of Darkness still publishes materials. Yeah. I'm glad Paradox picked up the banner and continues to carry it onward. Um, I could be critical about the way they're doing it, but I'm just glad they're doing it. Right. That's all that matters. At the end of the day, I'm glad Vampire still exists yeah. because when White Wolf went under, that could have been it. Sure. That could have been the end. Um, and so I'm constantly learning because they're constantly giving me stuff to learn. But really... I'm learning also through experience with 
so many different types of players with 90 plus players at any given time. There's a lot of perspectives. There's yeah. a lot of new uses of abilities that I've never considered before. So it is, you learn because of the community. The community teaches you so much and the, the different interpretations of stuff yeah. uh, is super useful. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I just, I'm so excited for what the future has to hold. I'm not going to necessarily like everything that gets put out, but I'm always going to invest because I'm investing in the future of the setting and game as a whole. Sure. I want it to continue. I, I have money now. I'm an adult, so I can buy <laughs> every World of Darkness book that they put out, which I couldn't do as a kid and wish I could have because maybe it wouldn't have gone the direction it went if I had. Now, right. That's, you know, it's all on you. You're the reason. Of clearly. clearly. Uh, if you could remove all barriers and constraints from any project, from this project, the from Werewolf, the game, the, from... The World of Darkness books, St. P by Night, any project, whatever it is, what would it be? Uh, what would that project be and what would, you, what would you do with it? Any constraints from any project. Yeah. If you could do one project, no barriers, no constraints, nothing, what would it be? I would love to, to invest in the future of World of Darkness. I would love to help write for them or at least be an ideas guy, uh, be an editor like we talked about <laughs> earlier, help them rewrite and restructure their books. Uh, but I would love to take the barriers off that are constricting or stopping Renegade and Paradox from being able to put out the books that they say they're going to put out in a timely manner. Sure. Uh, you can only blame COVID for so much. It's been three years. So they, you can blame one other thing that I have to give credit to, to companies, smaller companies for doing. Wizards recently said they, they're publishing so many new books of the first edition of the new the first printing of the new game that others that that the printers don't have enough paper which means smaller publishers are having a really hard time putting out their books so bear that in mind next time you buy a dnd book no absolutely <laughs> yeah and i mean honestly i think they're gonna over overestimate i think they're gonna print more books than they're gonna get bought because like i said people already invested yeah during a time when money was tight except the that is a compatible rule system and rules books from D&D always sell. It's adventures that don't fair, sell. Fair, fair, fair. Um, which I think that seems to be true with, with Vampire as well. Like the adventure books don't sell, sell as well. Like the Camarilla book, the Anarch book, I the Sabat them, book. Though. They don't them. do as well as the core book or the, well, I should say though that these books don't do well and they are supplement books of rules and such. Whereas Chicago well, they don't Night have any well. rules in those books. Well, no, but it's, it's, it's character stuff. It's more setting based. I mean, they have a couple of the clans, which was a huge mistake that they didn't put all the clans in the first book. Yes. I, I resent that. Well, that is downloadable um, content, but it's never, yeah. I mean, it's still never been something they've done before. And that just feels like a money grab at this point. Uh, thankfully the player's guide does fill it in, but the player's guide also contradicts previous books that they've published, yeah. which is another problem. Uh, but it was a common problem in the old version. Right. <laughs> but I think that they, they make a lot of promises and then they make a lot of excuses. Yeah. And I think that needs to stop. I think realistically be real with your people, be communicative, be upfront, say, Hey, we're not going to promise you blood sigils. We're not going to promise you uh bloodstained romance. We're not going to promise you all these books, all these titles. Right. And then give you a date and then not deliver on that date. Sure. Werewolf got pushed back. Blood Sigils just got pushed back to January for the physical copy. Now they say they're going to release the PDF, PDF early, but they've been talking about that book for over a year. They're going to release the PDF early so they can get all the feedback on how to 
write all the, fix right, all the spelling which they did with the player's and... guide and honestly to their benefit to their yeah, benefit yeah. they did release an updated version of the player's guide after before the physical copy went out right so fine but also just get a group of players just get you know the influencers or whatever to take a look at the book and be like fix this what's right. wrong with it what what didn't make sense even the werewolf book has a glaring error yeah in one of their pages that I'm like, how did nobody catch right. this? Nobody. So right. I would say, take out the barriers of whatever is holding them up. Sure. Or give us more realistic timelines. Right. Stop saying, stop making apologies. You know, just, just deliver a quality product. Be honest, be upfront and stop rushing stuff. Stop yeah. delaying stuff. Stop, you know, just be honest or get more help i know money might be tight but like you're welcome paradox i've sold like a hundred of your books <laughs> you know what i mean like it's i'm I'm trying to i'm trying to make you money right so help me help you <laughs> you know what i mean so, so you talk about influencers and being able to help with the the products like that like what what other influencers do you think really benefit and and display the game well like I have personally like Matt Stormcrow. I've Matt, been watching a lot of Matt his stuff. Stormcrow is, is a wonderful, knowledgeable individual. Basics of the game is another wonderful, knowledgeable individual. But honestly, I like a lot of the new influencers who are picking up vampire because I think you're getting a brand new perspective. Sure. I think you're getting, cause like we've heard people talk about what was yes a lot Yes. Let's talk about people who didn't know what was and just basically their, their first impression of what is. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really useful. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people that most of them are on my game or on my staff that I, I, <laughs> I think bring a new perspective uh, that I would definitely push people towards. Crafty Mirage is a perfect example. Yeah. She's someone who is brand new to the game and has di just dove head first in. Caffeinatrix is a perfect example. Somebody who is an experienced player like me, but isn't as obsessed as I am, but still has a strong understanding of where it's been and where it is now right. and where some of those issues are. And she's, she's actually one of the people whose advice I, I take to heart the most in when we're looking over material because she understands where we're coming from and what we're trying to achieve. Right. Uh, Burnham Wood is a perfect example. He's experienced, but he's also been kind of on the outskirts of it, but has some very strong opinions. So there's a lot of great influencers. If you just look at the Vampire the Masquerade hashtag or VTM talk or whatever, right. you can find these people. And I think it's up to you to kind of determine who you agree with and who you don't. Right. All right. What is the best compliment you have ever received? The best compliment I've ever received. Best compliment you've ever received. It's a little dark. No one else has made me cry before. Yeah. I think that is such a compliment. And it wasn't always because I made them sad. Sometimes it was because I made them happy and that happiness turned to tears that they were satisfied. Um, some people have said, you know, that this is their favorite game, whether it's St. Pete or whether it's Vampire. Uh, all of those are compliments to me because it is hard to be the person to introduce someone to something. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure on you to represent it, especially if, you know, they're hesitant about buying the books or they're not doing the research. You're their first line of introduction to right. 
something that you love. And I think if you have enough passion for it and are a strong understanding of it, you'll do fine. But realistically, it is a lot of pressure. So to hear that that pressure paid off, <laughs> to yeah. hear that all that work paid off and that people are playing vampire and picking up the books and, you know, going to conventions and, you know, invested in the future. Right. That's the best compliment I can receive. It's, I, it's nothing I've done right. other than sell them on something that already was amazing. Right. So I will say that one of the best things I've ever done is, is making players cry is you could tell such good stories that actually really touch people and, and connect people. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really, it is an amazing compliment. It is. It's, it's such an amazing compliment because I never, I mean, I know there's a lot of jokes and, and a lot of reputation that I'm out to like hurt people or like sure. trauma daddy or whatever. But the reality is I just want to tell a good story. I want to make them feel something, even if it's right. good, bad, or otherwise. And I want them to walk away satisfied or at least wanting more. Right. What is the, mo what, what insult are you most proud of having received? Oh boy. Um, what insult am I most, um, <laughs> That I am, uh, I, I, I wouldn't even call it an insult. To me, it was a compliment, but that people got scared whenever I hopped into a room. <laughs> so when they'd be playing and I would jump in, everybody would like their buttholes would clench. Sure. And that was kind of a compliment to me, even though I wouldn't necessarily even be going in there to do anything like it, it, it. It became frustrating because I never got to watch people enjoying the game right. because their, their behavior would change whenever I was around. That's why you got to get a different, like, you know, like an avatar. Or something. Yeah, like yeah. A, a veil of some kind. Right. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, I think that also I've, I've been told that I, I, I value the game over real people. Sure. <laughs> which um, hurts because the only reason I'm doing this is for real people. Right. Uh, but at the same time, it was never about the game. It was about the community. So me holding the game over individuals like friendships or right. relationships uh, was, was fine by me to be honest, because the community is something bigger than me, bigger than my friend groups. I'd like yeah. to think that everyone who's a part of the community is some way, kind of my friend. Um, but yeah, I, I think that those are, those are some things that kind of come with the territory and I knew going in. Yeah. What is the most intense role-playing moment you've had? Not just in Vampire, but just throughout your gaming career. What is the most intensive role-playing moment you've ever had? Honestly, I, I'm going to say it is in Vampire. And it is the last Elysium of St. Pete by Night um, of the first Chronicle. Uh, it was very difficult because I think that a lot of people forget that as a storyteller, wrapping up a story, you have to say goodbye too. Yes. You're saying goodbye to NPCs you love. You're saying goodbye to stories that you invested days, weeks, months, even years into. And the untold stories that you could have gone on, Absolutely. but you, you just don't have them. Absolutely. Yeah. This revamp was a thing of necessity, not that I wanted it. Right. I wanted to keep going, but I couldn't physically. Like, I couldn't emotionally. I couldn't mentally keep going. And so, like, it was, it was very, very difficult because I had spent so much of my life investing into it, which was part of the problem, I think. But sure. realistically, well, you gotta, yeah. You got to take that mental health break too. I mean, 100%. But I think that I felt the love from all of the players that were on that session. I yeah. felt 
as I was saying goodbye to them as this character, that was really me saying goodbye to this story right. and to their characters as well, which is hard. I love their characters. Sure. Like some of those characters have been there since day one. I fell in love with them too. So it was, it was really emotionally intense and there wasn't murder. There wasn't violence. There wasn't death. And I think that that's a beauty of vampire and world of darkness is you could have sessions without combat. Sure. You can do it in D and D, but D and D does that appeal to D and D players as much like certain depends kinds of players, depends sure, on but- the players, but like, for a majority of World of Darkness players, I would like to say they're right. there for that. Yeah, they're there. Well, it's for a different the, expectation of right. game too. Like, right. It's hard to come into to World of Darkness with D and D expectations, but I think that yeah, just just feeling the love, the loss. We all kind of grieved together, but also celebrated together, and yeah. that that was uh, absolutely amazing. And you can watch it on YouTube or Twitch or anywhere you follow Saint Pete by Night. Right. Um, if you were in my shoes, what question would you like to have asked? And what would your answer have been? <sighs> if you have one, that's a good question, <laughs> man. I'm yeah. Okay. Um, ooh. I guess I would say, what book do you want world of darkness to publish that sure. has not been announced? Sure. So what, in that case, what uh, what title would you be looking forward to the most if they were to do it? What's your what's your dream title? So there were rumors a long time ago, probably about a year ago, about a Miami by Night source book that Fifth Edition Vampire was going to release. I and then it disappeared. All talk of it, all mention of it disappeared. Sure. I want that book because Florida is one of the most untouched areas in world of darkness. It's alluded to yeah. in some of the novels that aren't considered canon. They, you know, they take place in like Sarasota and places like that. But Florida's just kind of there, right. you know, just kind of like other areas of the country, like the, the flyover states. They're just kind of aside from Chicago. They're just kind of there. Right. I want more splats for cities. I want Disney by night. Yeah, I do. I do. I want them to detail Orlando, even though I think I would make an amazing Orlando. I already kind of started building one, but like, yeah, I, I want those city books back. I do yeah. like Chicago was, eh, it was fine. Fall of London was, eh, it was fine. Go back to what wasn't broke. Go back to the sure. formula of just tell us what's there. Tell us what the potential is. Detail some NPCs for us. Like, I love that they're like, make up your own, like, da, da, da. but it's nice to have some rigidity. I sure. liked Forgotten Realms because they told you where things were, where you could find them. Here's some NPCs you can use. Here's the layout of a right. city. Here's a map. Here's I all the things that. that Elminster did. Here's all the things that I Brits liked did. that. Yeah. I liked that. And I, I don't mind that. You can do that with any game. You can make up your own setting, your own world, your own whatever with any game. Yeah. I want more information. I want more answers. Right. I, I want them to stop alluding to maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Like, no, just tell me, is it or isn't it? <laughs> well, some of that um, obviously being, you know, being able to tell you your own version of their story. Like, sure. Chicago by night gives you the adventure that lets you decide whether the Sabat join. Right. Yeah. Whether the Lasombra join the camera joined or not. Really, yeah. But at the same time, later on, they're like, yeah, they did. <laughs> yes. So, you know, you can do that anyway. Yeah. So don't, don't be so vague, right. be real, be in it, be honest. Right. Um, so I want, I, I want, 
I want my by night books. I want my city books. Um, I'm glad werewolf's out. It's amazing. Go pick it up. If you haven't yet, it's a great book system. I absolutely intend to, they're doing, they're doing a great job They're They've made it crossover possible with vampire and hunter, which is something I, they never used to do. You could not cross over any of the old systems. Well, you could in Chronicles, in Cro- uh, but you couldn't in the previous version right. of, of, yeah. And that's why I think Chronicles was important. And yeah, I, I want to cycle back to that too. I think World of Darkness needed that break. I agree. They needed, well, they needed to, to try the lessons new. that it taught yeah. too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they've incorporated some great options or great elements of Chronicles of Darkness to make V5 better. Yes. So good on them. In the long run, as much as I hated it at the time <laughs> that it came out, I'm glad that it did. And I'm glad that we got that break. And I think that now is an opportunity to like pick up the ball that was dropped with all these brand new writers and stuff and run with it. All the people who who hated saying goodbye can now pick it up and move forward and and take it where they want it to go. Right. And that would be fine. And yes, and there's it, gonna be haters, but whatever. It is a new generation's game. Yeah. So it is time for the generation to really be able to step up and have their game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so the, uh, on the other show, uh, on continuing conversations, Michael and uh, Jim always do at the end of every show, they do what they're grateful for, grateful, gratitudes. So I want to ask, what thing are you most grateful for? Just in life, like right, right now, this moment, what are you most grateful for? Uh, I am grateful for my community, my St. Pete by night community. Um, I solidified my best friend in that community. I reconnected with friends I haven't really talked to in the past decade in that community. Uh, I've fallen in love and had my heart broken in that community. Um, But the people who still stand with me have gotten me through so much over these past two years and have inspired me because I was burned out. I was ready to quit. I was literally ready to give up and and take my ball and go home and, yeah. and pull the plug. And they told me it was okay and supported me in setting it down and doing something new. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful for that. They've been my life. This community has been my life for the better part of two years yeah. and it hasn't let me down. That's- so that's, that's a lot, but on a side note, can I do a second one? Yeah, go ahead. I'm grateful for you. Yeah. Cause you were the one who suggested I use V five. Yeah. I was talking about doing revised. I was talking about using the old system. Yeah. We're you were the one to what the, the 20th anniversary stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And you were the one who said, check this out. It's a lot easier. It's yeah. a lot easier to learn. It was so, I so much more accessible. Yeah. I yeah. wasn't on the cutting edge of, of V five. I was still stuck in the old ways. And you said, try this book. And it ended up being, everything yeah and now i'm fully in and <laughs> they have so much of my money so yeah right so on that i said like my gratitude today would be waffle house because that's what we're the waffle, waffle house, house conversation yeah waffle house uh, uh we should try to hit that up before you uh, before you head back mm-hmm. if we've got time mm-hmm. uh so where can listeners find you listeners and viewers well and I, know, um, I know you've got st pete by night we have st pete by night everywhere uh twitch st pete by night youtube st pete by night uh twitter x Twix. Um, we do not What's, have the, 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 the rotting the rotting husk of, to- of Twitter. Yeah. Uh, but stpeepbynight.com. You can link to everything from there. So come join us. Come check out the Discord. Come be a part of it. 
Uh, you can find me at Michigant, uh, M-I-C-H-I-K-E-N-T. Combination Michigan and Kent there, the clever (laughs) observer. Yes. Um, I don't post, so you can see my old stuff. You can see how the game started with my first TikTok where I said, hey, I have an idea for a West Marshes or Marches uh, vampire game. That's kind of where it all started. Um, But yeah, I don't post there very often, but you can find me there if you'd like to. But St. Pete by Night is also on TikTok. Awesome. All right. That is all I've got. Uh, it's been really good to have you on. Uh, it's been good to hang out with you. It's I'm so nice, glad to be here. It's nice to have you back and for, you know, even if you're only here for a little while, um, I'll be back again. Ah, you're always I back. Flo- I fine. float through town twice a year. So yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't have anything else unless there's anything else you wanted to add. Um, check out this podcast. Stay tuned to this podcast. There's a great, a lot of great, great at content and episodes coming. I know we're, we're, we're saying that back in August right, right. now and, some well, there's only been, this is a show that only comes out every two weeks. So this is only the fifth episode. Oh, see, so, so there's been a lot of great stuff so far that right. I'm sure you've seen and a lot of great stuff coming. And uh, I hope, hope to return as a guest every now and then to uh, weigh in on some of the great subjects we've talked about. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I've, we've got a lot of stuff coming up. I've got 26 episodes for season one, ready to like, ready to, to, to get written up and recorded and do everything that with. So I'm happy to have you back and anybody who wants to join in, please, you can find this show and everything else that I do with Studio Tembo. Uh, there's a link in the link tree below. There's a link tree with links in it below. Uh, there's also, you can find me anywhere that Studio Tembo is is anywhere. Uh, you can also find us on, by now, you should be able to find us on any of the smart media devices or anywhere podcasts are giving away absolutely free. Uh, same thing with, uh, I think, largely same video. Same video doesn't have, doesn't have an audio-only version, correct? Oh, we do not currently have an audio-only version, but you can see the video at YouTube. You can see it at Twitch. Twitch right? uh, do you have do, do you have all the back episodes on Twitch? Or we just? do. Everything okay. is on Twitch and everything is on YouTube. Uh, so you can see everything from the first Elysium through the last Elysium and everything in between. Um, but yeah, we are going to we're going to look into possibly making an audio only medium. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah we've got lots of options. But yes, please support World of Darkness. Don't yes. be a hater and be kind to each other. Those are the, that's my last thing. Right. So stay low, be kind of each other. That's it for me. Uh, and on behalf of my guests and the people who were sitting behind, back over there who uh, were quiet after we get three takes to get into this show. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's it for me. So so long. Thanks for all the fish. Mm-hmm.